Welcome. This is Quantum Nurse and I am Grace Asagra, your holistic registered nurse. Today's episode, I am most happy and excited and privileged because he's my colleague in podcasting and we have Anders Balling. And let me just remind our audience that we, we created this podcast for holistic alternative insights and um, treatment sessions, whatever you call it. All I'm saying is that there's a lot of alternative holistic resources from people who have been like experts in the field, who have lived their lifestyle and who have holistic insights. So all of these are welcome in this podcast. So you as stress caregivers could have a little bit more of um, feeling that you are not alone and that you could reach out to any of my resources. So check, always check with me and you can visit quantumnurse.life and I'm building my landing page and all the community in the social media so can we can all be together in these unprecedented times. So welcome to Quantum Nurse and welcome Anders Balling and I'll read a little bit after, you know, just about you, but then you can add more as we continue. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, happy to be here and I love the name of your podcast, Quantum. I love the, well, nurse also, but the word quantum is enticing. <laughs> Thank you. So Anders Balling is born in, was born in Sweden 1960, in 1963. He lived in Sweden almost all his life a couple of years in Asia and Africa when he was a kid because his dad worked with development aid. But he had traveled a lot and visited some 75 countries. And he has all his life, he has all his life, he has been interested in both the outer world of politics, economy and culture and the inner world of transcendence and deeper meaning. Most of his career he has worked as a journalist. Occasionally, he has taken leaves to write books. Two adult, and he has two adult children, and he's happily divorced since less than a year. Yeah, so, that's pretty much the whole story. And sweet. <laughs> yeah. And sweet. But hey, those short stories are embedded with profound stories. Exactly. Um, like first, like um, Anders, I was when I was re, um, realizing that you have seven, you have visited seventy-five countries. That's more than the cities I think that I have visited in my oh, life. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> not that yeah, I well. counted, but there's so many mm. cities. You know, maybe if I can say seventy-five towns, I I can match with you. So yeah. with that, with that growing up, is that something that? Uh, how was your experience with that? And is something that was in very influential on how you became a journalist and what you're doing now? Yeah, I think so. Because as you mentioned there, you pointed out that my father was working with the development aid a couple of, well, three times actually. And I was with him, the whole family was with him twice. Uh, first time in Pakistan, Asia, where he was working for two and a half years and the family was with him for one year and then we went back to Sweden. And the second time was in Zambia, Africa. I then I was 14. First time I was seven. Second time I was 14. 
and the whole family was there also for one year and then he continued working a couple of years more there and then he did some other jobs uh, uh, far away from Sweden in the, in the, what we called the, the third world which is a very strange concept I don't think we should talk about the third world anymore but we did that at the time but I think uh, that that triggered my interest for the outer world and the, and the world at large and uh, what's happening out there. And that there are different cultures and different political situations. And, and I really love the landscape, different landscapes. I love the traveling around in these countries, seeing forests, uh, mountains, the sea, all of those things I, I loved. So I actually <laughs> ended up uh, or ended up, I, I started uh, producing my own fantasy country or I had a couple actually. Uh, and I think that all started in Pakistan because I was so fascinated with this traveling and, and, and these maps that we used. So when I got back to Sweden, I created this fantasy country, which had, had a very odd name actually in English. It's really not even possible to use. It was called Helland. It's, I mean, it's, it sounds terrible, but in Swedish, it didn't mean anything. It was not Holland and it was, we had a landscape in Sweden called Halland and then anyway boring name but still I wrote all these uh, I mean I drew all these maps uh, over this country and I wrote down uh, basic facts about the country and the history and I made uh, uh, little uh, you know uh, stamps from that country and and it also had I imagine that it was a, <laughs> a it was somewhere in Europe somewhere in the Mediterranean it was really uh, actually not very likely that it would be <laughs> placed there but it was a, it was a big island in the mediterranean and i imagine that it was at some point a colonial power so it had a, an old colony that was now also um, um uh, independent and uh, uh, i because i wanted to i wanted to create things and and make uh, stamps uh, from a country that was also tropical so i invented that country so i, I and i drew all these kinds of maps um, how old were you when you did that i was i think i started when i was seven and i kept doing it until i was about 12 or something like that and then i thought it was a little childish so i stopped doing it <laughs> did you do you still have it I have a f I have a file a couple of files uh, with the maps and uh, basic info about these countries. Yeah, I, I find that I find <laughs> that very interesting, and I find that a potential reference or resource to what you will be doing in five ten years because that will Maybe. be. I, I can see I can see a good. You said about the books, right? I can see a book that will be that is your background. You can put that in the beginning of the book and yeah. then all whatever you have to write as a journalist. So yeah. now if I, so in, in that um, statement, is it hard to be a good journalist? And what does it really mean to be a good journalist nowadays? Well, uh, I can say also that, uh, well, since your question, previous question in, um, also included this uh, thing about journalism. Uh, when I was uh, living briefly abroad, when I was growing up and also traveling a lot, even then, I started pondering the thought of becoming a journalist. Uh, I read, I don't know if you're familiar with Tintin. It's a comic album, com comic, it's a, a series of co comic books. Um, 
drawn and written by this Belgian guy, Hergé. And he was a journalist, this, this, the hero, Tintin. And he traveled all over the world all the time. And he was a journalist. So when I realized at the age of maybe eight or nine that I couldn't become uh, an explorer because everything was, was uh, uh, already discovered. <laughs> Every <laughs> island was discovered. <laughs> so I couldn't, become, I couldn't become one of those. Then I started pondering the thought of, hmm, maybe journalist. Uh, Tintin is a journalist. So I think already when I was 15 or something like that, I, I had decided that I wanted to be, become a journalist. So the question was the question if it's difficult to become a good journalist or what, what it takes to become a good journalist or what, what did yeah, you well, I mean, what does it really mean? And, you know, people say, oh, he, like he's a journalist or he's a good journalist, but what does it really mean? Because, okay, the main yeah. means, mainstream media has a lot of journalists, so they say. Yeah. So what does it really mean? Like, well, it's, yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. And I, I don't think you really uh, think about that when you, uh, when you um, pursue the, the education and, and when you start working as a journalist, you, you don't really get to answer that question in, in that way. Uh, but there is a, an underlying thought that journalism and journalists are, um, the people who find injustices in society and and uh, disclose uh, uh, corruption and bad things uh, and all that. So there is a kind of underlying thought that you are doing something good for society. But as you know, the societies, the Western societies, Western countries um, have become richer and richer, and and there are not that many really big, extremely terrible problems going on like there might have been before and the democracies are fairly, uh, most of the time working fairly well. So, and the journalists have become uh, ever more numerous and uh, the media houses have become ever bigger and ever more powerful. So what happened, what has happened is that journalism has has begun digging deeper and deeper down into the layers of, of what's going on in society and finding this is one of my, actually one of my things uh, I've been writing about this because I'm, I'm a little bit or quite a bit critical towards journalism in this respect. Journalists and, and editors are digging deeper and deeper and deeper to find problems, to find snippets of, of, of drama that can make headlines because the journalism and media lives on headlines and uh, being dramatic and selling newspapers and selling uh, advertising time to, to television and, 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 you know, all of that. So, so it's, uh, it's, it's, there, there is some kind of inflation when it comes to over-dramatizing the world. So media, news media in particular, often describes the world in over-dramatic terms. So people who get their, all their information about what's happening in the world, they tend to think that the world is a much worse place than it actually is. So I all, often recommend people to cut down a little bit on their news consumption, actually, although <laughs> I'm a journalist myself, because it's not good for you to listen to the news uh, hours on end every day. You know? you, I mean, you can, you can pick up this and that. You, course you want to know what's happening if there are big things but you won't miss anything if you have these little flash uh things on your mobile phone you will you will know when there are big things happening 
but for the most part, don't, uh, don't spend hours and hours listening to the news. But then there are different kinds of journalists, of course. There are those who are writing about societal matters and are, and are uh, doing interviews with maybe famous people or not so famous people and going in depth into what they're experiencing, experiencing in life. And I don't have that much critical, that, that, many, that much criticism uh, towards that kind of journalism, because I mean, that's a different uh, type of uh, uh, creation, of course. And, and uh, uh, those stories are often very good, of course, and uh, you can find uh, many fantastic interviews in, in, in papers like, uh, well, all the new mainstream papers, Washington Post, New York Times, whatever, you know, my big newspaper in Sweden where I uh, I'm still employed. Dagens Nyheter is the biggest one. Also has a lot of these interviews. But there is also, all, even there, there is often an underlying tone of pessimism and negativism because even if those interviews and stories and uh, reports are, are in depth and very well written and interesting in many ways, there is some reluctance to describe the world in rosy colors, so to speak. Is a reluctance to show the world in, in a positive way, which the world often is. And most of people's lives is actually positive. Most people feel fine most of the time. They spend time with their friends and their family and they go to take their children to school and they invent things and they gather and they have a beer and they have a good time and they're, ha they're happy most of the time. But this is not journalism. Journalists never write about those things because it's, it's, it's considered be childish to do that and it's not considered really serious. So the more negative you are, the more serious you are. And that, that's, that's a, a basic problem in journalism. Well, that's very interesting. I didn't really know that. That's really like always the focus in, in, the, in people's mind. Although I can agree with that first one you said, yeah, you tend to think that. Like I will think that journalists are partly my defenders if, of my society, if there are things that are not happening quite yeah. right yeah so that's why you know being where we're at right now i'm like okay i need to hear another option another news so i'm doing mm. very well with that because i i don't usually listen to the main news i may have my radio the coast to coast that i like and yep that's the titles and then some of my friends will just give me the highlights and that's enough for me then yeah. When I really like to, then that's when I go to alternative media like podcasting. You have a mm -hmm. podcast. Talk, talk, yes. Tell us about your podcast. It's called Mind Shift. Hmm? There you Sorry. go. No, that's yeah. for me. Uh, it's still part of journalism. Right? So yeah, yeah, well, it's, you could say it's part of the journalism. And what's exciting about what's happening in the world, not now with the pandemic, I mean, what's happened technically the last 15 or 20 years with the internet is that more and more people are uh, be, are being able to to become their own journalists so to speak so it's it's very easy for for almost anyone to start for instance a podcast or or a blog or something that you want to if you want to convey some kind of information uh, to other people it's it's much much easier to do that now than it used to be and of course that also means that some bad people, people who want to spread uh, very toxic ideas can also do that. And this is also what we are focusing a lot on. 
and, and it, we should, I mean, it's, it's good to know that these toxic information spreaders are out there so that we can be aware. But there is also so much positive and so much good going on and so much good and, and healthy and, and fantastic information being spread these days out there. And of course, I mean, the mainstream journalists, they, they, they have a lot of interesting things to say and they are good at writing and good at talking and there's nothing bad with them, but they don't have the whole story, of course. So I think it's very healthy that so many more people can, can speak their truth and there can be a healthy discussion about what's going on. And there are also a lot of what is often called uh, conspiracy theorists uh, out there. And it's a, it's a tricky word, actually, a tricky term, because you can, you can really put into it whatever you don't like. If you don't like what somebody's saying, you can say that this person is a conspiracy theorist. Uh, some of them, I think, are perhaps because they are, they are, they are depicting the world in completely uh, in, incomprehensible ways, which are not, uh, no, one can, no one can really... Uh, detect the truth in what they're saying, but but most of them are actually saying things that are accurate. Uh, one problem may be that they're saying not the whole story, but on the other hand, the mainstream media is not is also not telling the whole story, maybe bigger part of it. But that's that's one basic problem that everyone has their own perspective, so to speak. So they talk about what they know most about, and they. Maybe they exaggerate the importance of that particular snippet of the of the world that they know a lot about. So they lift it up and they depict it as this is the most important thing that's happening now. And you should all know about these guys who are trying to fool you. And you should all know about this thing that happens in your body or whatever. You know, everyone is an expert on, on something. So it's it's very interesting. And I think it's for the most part a positive thing that so many people can do this and spread their information, but, but you also have to be very, very aware that there, there is so much information out there, so you really have to be careful and you really have to, to listen with um, judgment, really, to, to cultivate your judgment and, and, and listen to many voices. And if you, if you go to the mainstream media in the United States, for instance, which is really polarized now, extremely polarized, I think it's more polarized than Europe, I live in Europe and it's, well, we have this, this phenomenon here as well, but it's not as, uh, as uh, salient. So if you're in the United States, I think it would be wise to listen to both CNN and Fox News <laughs> if you want to listen to mainstream news, for instance. And uh, so you can, you, can, you, can, you can just make, make up your own mind on what's... And, 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 other, and other alternative news, because sometimes the CNN yeah. and Fox, they, can, they have also, you just never know, because they both have an underlying tone as well, you yeah, know? Yeah, so, I know. And then, yeah, when, you, when, when I heard before about conspiracy theories, and it's just interesting how the two, two parties will be saying that the other part is in the conspiracy theory. Indeed, the other one will be saying it's in the conspiracy theory. Yeah. And so if, if people really just wait and receive the information just by watching the TV, and then that's it. That's all that they receive. It's just funneling everything from someone else's perspective. And that's kind of like also same thing as when we're, we're raised right in our culture it's nice to understand that 
our culture, our family did our best to raise us, but at some point we had to explore. And that's why, you know, when you did your imaginary, your country, that would really be so interesting. That, that, sure, that <laughs> That's an interesting you. idea. Yeah, maybe I'll do that someday. Yeah. I, I never thought of it. No, yeah. And our resources tend to be already in our hands, just yeah. waiting for us to cultivate it. So, That's true. Correct, right? And so... How do we maybe read? I should maybe I should talk a little bit more about my podcast. I think you asked yes. about that. And I, yes. I never came to that, but I realized that okay, so it's called Mind the Shift. And uh, since I'm a journalist, I'm of course I have this journalistic uh, approach in some ways. I interview people. I also do some solo shows where I talk myself, but uh, it's not journalism in the, in the classical sense. It's not, it has nothing to do with news journalism. Although I, as I said, I have this journalistic approach. So I might, uh, I mean, I, 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 I tend to write down questions on beforehand and I, I treat the, my guests as, as if they are in a traditional interview. But, but I, want, I really want this to be conversations that are open and I don't have, I want to have an open mind and I don't have an agenda. At, well, at least, at least not that I know of. I'm, since I'm a person, uh, an, individ an individual person with, with, with my experiences and my worldview, I've, of course, I'm biased as everyone else is. But um, other than that, I wanted to be open, open-minded and everything. So I, the podcast is called Mind the Shift, which is a, a play on words, uh, meaning that we, we are seeing a shift in the world, an actual shift, I think which has a lot to do with the fact that the world is integrating for the first time ever. We are, I mean, we know everything that's happening in every corner of the world uh, instantaneously, which is, has never happened before. And this does something to us. This, is, this, this really um, demands things of us and, and changes our, our ways of looking at things in many ways, I think. And it's also, Mind the Shift also refers to uh, a wish that I have, and, and I think something that is actually going on, a shift in our, the way we look at ourselves and our world, a shift in the mindset, so to speak. So I, I really want to talk to people who are uh, into very, uh, specific, to very interesting projects when it comes to politics and the economy and culture and all that, but also spiritual matters. So I have talked talk to, and I want to also, and I have clinched a couple of interviews um, coming up here with people who are into the spiritual realm, so to speak, and um, can talk a lot about those things, because I think that, um, and it also says in the, in the, in the intro to my podcast that um, uh, there is often a separation between science and spirituality, which I think uh, has come to an end, must, must come to an end soon, because it's really a false dichotomy. There is no there is no uh, difference really. I mean, in, in, in the big picture, there's no difference between science and spirituality. It all has to be the same thing in the end, so to speak. So I think this is an old paradigm that has to change soon. So I'm really, really interested in talking to people who are spanning the border between science and spirituality. And there are quite a few of those people out there. Uh, many are, are hard to get because they're known people and they're very busy and there many people want to interview them, but... Uh, I have tried to to uh, to reach them, reach out to them. So that's that's my podcast, and that's what I want to do, continue doing. 
continue what you're doing and don't ever give up. And also Thank you. maybe at some point, just open yourself also to not the very famous ones because you never know. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> then, in fact, I have, I'm a little biased and I'm a little judgment when it comes to like the word mainstream and alternative. So for me, almost everything has an alternative. So alternative mm. media, alternative journalists, alternative science, which I, before I, I didn't think of that until I keep realizing that there are so many good scientists, especially going to that energy medicine, to that mind shift that you're talking about, that they're even trying to be in the mainstream, but things don't happen until someone dies that, that like, um, uh, that that uh, doc, is it, Dr. Vilakovsky, finally when he died, and then you know, mm. but there's other movements carrying on in the electric universe theory. So it's very interesting. So for me, if you want, if I want to learn more and to really expand myself, I keep looking for alternative things that they usually don't promote. So now, mm. that's why I wanted alternative uh, medicine, because look at it, it's just so much things to share. Mm. And, and, and I, earlier I had a meeting with another group and we, we were, I was telling them that for me, my observation, as you are saying, that there's so many good things happening because it's going to, our mind shift, I think will be more open or it's going to happen uh, better, more we mean coming together, but I don't know about the economy. The economy may take a little while <laughs> yeah, yeah. until we open up for everything. But the mind thing is, you know, the most important. So t t talk, talk more on how you see we can really create our lives from this time on moving forward. Well, I just, firstly, I have to say that it's really commendable what you're saying about finding the alternative people. Uh, the problem is that they're often, when they're not known, you don't, you don't know where they are and you don't know exactly what they're talking about. So you, you kind of have to meet them first and then, you know, oh, this guy I need to interview. I, I have nothing against that. I will, I will be happy to do that. But, you know, these known people, you, you, you always, already have read about them. So you know what they're talking about. Anyway, um, well... I think we have to change our mindset as you were talking about also. And I think it's happening. I think we are in a shift uh, going on in, in the world and it has to do with it, both the outer world and the inner world. They both go together. There's no separation really. I think we are all uh, uh, <laughs> more or less dense parts of the quantum soup that everything exists in, you know, so that's why we're all connected. So, uh, and we're all, this is very philosophical, but I just, I was just writing about these things today. So I'm a little bit inspired by, by, by it because I realized that we are all centers of the universe because our, my perspective is completely unique. And, and what I'm seeing and what I'm taking in, what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing is actually me. It is my consciousness. It can't be anything else. I mean, it's, it's really hard to wrap your head, head around that first, but when you start thinking that way, you realize that it's, we aren't separated and we can't be because uh, I couldn't experience anything if there wasn't uh, an environment that I experienced. Oh, anyway, I think more and more people are, are going to realize these things maybe on that philosophical level, but, but generally 
by uh, working more together. And, and uh, I think there, I, I, I experience that there, there are many movements out there in the world now uh, talking about a new kind of way of, of rule, running countries, for instance, a new, uh, new kind of economy, economic system. And uh, well, we have all these protests going on in Hong Kong, in France, in Chile, in uh, all kinds of places, even in, even in Russia and in Belarus right now. And I think those are going to continue and it's gonna be messy for, for some years now. And I, I, I'm kind of fascinated by what many spiritual teachers and astrologers and others are saying about this particular time that there are certain certain properties in this particular time that that makes things happen fast now and i mean i don't know uh, whether it's deeply true or not but it's fascinating i think they have many points because i i think we can all see that things are happening but the main thing is not to be scared not to be afraid but to just realize that this is bound to happen if it's messy out there it's we shouldn't be afraid because Things can't change without, I mean, something has to die for something new to, to be born. It's, it's, it's logical. So I think it's going to be a messy time a few years uh, from now on with uh, governments maybe falling and uh, new, new ways of ruling countries uh, emerging. And I think the economy is going to be wobbly. It's been, it's been surprisingly stable, actually, during this pandemic. I don't know why, really, but <laughs> the stock, stock markets aren't, aren't collapsing, but they I seem to be doing that, but then they bounced back. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, anyway, it's, it's going to be, I think, uh, very uh, volatile in, in many respects uh, all over the world. But as long as there are no big wars and as long as no, not a lot of people are being killed, which I really hope won't happen, I think we shouldn't be scared. We should embrace it and realize that this is what has to be happening for us to come out on the other side in a better world where, where things are, are being handled in a better way and we are, we are driven more by, by love and compassion for each other. And I think that's where your uh, uh, line of business comes in also this health thing, which is really, as I said, commendable. And I, I think I should actually uh, delve a little bit more into that on, on my podcast also, because it's really, really uh, crucial that we realize how to have good health. And it, it, it's, it has to do with our minds and our bodies. It's, it all goes together as you know very well, of course, uh, the mental and the, the, the spiritual health is completely crucial to our bodily health. And there is so much that we don't understand uh, about the power of our bodies, the healing power that our bodies have, that they carry with them from, from the day we're born. We just forget about it. Uh, so I think uh, that is also going to change. Many things are going to happen with that. And that, is, that, that, will, that will completely, I think, change the way the health systems in the world work. Uh, I mean, I think we will still in 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years have hospitals. I think we will always need hospitals for some kinds of diseases and, and uh, injuries and things like that. But uh, I think it's 
it's got to change a lot. I mean, all these mainstream doctors that don't really heal people, they just dole out pills to people. And many times I think those pills have more side effects than they actually work. I'm not an expert, but I, this is what I hear and I, I think it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm with you with that uh, imagination yeah. and your, your own, let's say your own prophecy about things because change is really difficult. But um, uh, early on in my childhood, I realized that I really have to take care of my health because I grew up sickly but mm. at least not to the point that I was diagnosed with something that is, you know, like, uh, like a death sentence that some people think it's a death sentence. But I, at that age, I said to myself, I have so much dreams. I have so many plans, like beautiful things. I can see beauty. So I said, I better take care of my health. So then I can keep moving on. Then I yeah. came course the United States then nurses really work so hard in fact before this crucial time of quarantine and their declaration of a pandemic nurses didn't have to wait or they didn't have to praise the nurses and wait till this crisis because we always have been the hub of the good health care yeah but then I see that Self-care was not even a number one in a, a nurse list. And that's why I became a holistic nurse, which in the Philippines, we don't even, when, when I was studying nursing, we didn't have the word holistic. We just knew that you take care of yourself, you eat healthy, you know, you do a lot of alternative things. And that's what health and that's what, you can't give off something if you don't have it. So your health, your physical health is number one. Then in terms of mind, our culture again, as I remember, taught us that your behavior will affect your health. Your way of thinking will affect your health. So of everything kind of ties together. So with that, my, and my other little story for you is when my little grandbabies were with me two weekends ago, they said, oh, Nanaila, which is grandma, um, you know that the, the virus are outside. I says, what did you say? Because you know, they didn't really stay with me. So I have to make sure yeah. the virus yeah. outside because they were going to get their toys. So I said, oh, yes, they're outside. They're inside. They're in the floor. They're in the air. They're in our body. They're all over. Then they just listen to me. So you know what you can do? I said, just make friends with them. I said, yeah. be friends with them. And how That's do you do that? Idea. You better eat healthy. When I tell you to drink, drink, eat this. There's so many ways to be friends with them. So don't mm. even be scared, okay? And they just, you know, so I, I like that. In, on the spot, I came out of that, those description and the words. So because I really, life, life has all these things. They are also for me. They are part of existence they're part of they're, they're being they're doing their thing some sometimes some people don't want me to say but this virus the virus is being a virus so what do you expect <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so That's we, very yeah, we be have friends. to be right be friends with them be friends and, with the fire and, and 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 who knows how we can really uh, you know that's why i said be strong in yourself and things like that so that as you said be ready, get ready for anything or, or, you know, in any place you, it would be good to always have that open 
um, open, uh, open awareness and mindfulness in your mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted you to share more on, we, because there are so many decisions or there's so many information, how, what is the best way or maybe a habit or a thing that you can do on how we can decide on how we perceive realities? Or hmm. our reality. Well, there are a number of things, of course. Uh, uh, apart from cutting down on the news consumption, as I mentioned before, uh, I I really do think that meditation helps. I try to meditate every morning for forty-five minutes or so, which uh, calms your mind down, and you. I think it's good for your physical health as well, because if you succeed in trying to stop thinking, if you just exist for half an hour or so, or just 10 minutes or two minutes or whatever, it calms everything down. You can, you can, you can actually sense how your body is calmer. And when you come out of the meditation, you, you kind of see the world in a different way, clearer colors, and it's more like, oh yeah, I'm here now. And you don't worry about what's going to happen next day or what happened yesterday. You're just here, right here and now. And that's, I think that's very, very important for both uh, physical and, and uh, psychological health. And for you to be able to, to achieve anything really, to, to make decisions that are well-founded and uh, judgmental. So that's one thing. And, uh, and then there, is, there are a number of uh, more concrete things that have, has more to do maybe with uh, my work as a journalist and, and as an academic or whatever namely to to be aware of what is in order not to be too worried you should check facts you read fact books and check the facts which is so easy to do today well somebody some say that well everyone has their own facts and there are alternative facts and well partly that's true but there are actually a number of objective objective facts out there that you can check on websites if you want to see for instance the trends when it comes to deaths when it comes to poverty when it comes to health when it comes to all kinds of of things that you want to see what's actually happening in the world then you you get calmer and you uh, achieve what uh, uh, some friends of mine who are working with a, an interesting website Ula and Anna Rosling say you achieve factfulness <laughs> as, as you know, mindfulness, you can reach this, this state, state, state of factfulness because when you know that, oh, it's actually not that bad, it's, it's just, uh, oh, not everyone is dying. Then you, you feel calmer and you know that, okay, I don't have to panic. I can just make my decisions uh, calmly here because the world is actually not as bad as it's depicted in the mainstream media, but also by many alternative people out there who are screaming and shouting about how dangerous everything in and is and how, how, how they're just, the leaders are just cheating you all the time. And that's not, also not good, I think, because it makes people scared and, and, and panic. And I think panic is the absolutely, absolutely the worst basis for making decisions. It's terrible. You don't have to panic. And we can talk a little bit about maybe the climate change. I, it, it's not part of this, 
conversation, but it's, it's, it's a good example. I'm, I know that it's, it's a thing, it's happening. There is a global warming, but it, I happen to be very, very interested in, like I said before, I was interested in traveling and looking at maps and things. And together with that goes a, a deep interest uh, in the weather and the climate, which I've had since childhood, actually. And I was considered a weather nerd by <laughs> some of my friends because I was always looking at the weather report when I was like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. This was a crazy guy. What's he doing? Should be out playing football. He's watching the weather report. Anyway, so this has, this has been with me all my life. So I've, I'm, I'm following a lot of these statistics and what's happening. And I know that even though there is a global warming happening and it's a thing and it's a problem. We have to do something about it. No doubt about it. We need to change our energy system from fossil to renewable. That's not, that's, that's, uh, we don't have to discuss that uh, thing anymore, but it is probably not happening as fast as some people want to, to um, picture it because I've seen the numbers and I, I know that it's, uh, we, we actually don't have to panic in that, in that um, context either. Uh, we, there is, we, we can do, we can, we can, uh, we can uh, make our decisions wisely and calmly with good health in our bodies and good health in our minds and good health in our spirits. We can do that and we will, it, it, it'll be fine. We're going we're gonna to come up with some fine solutions about these things. And it's already happening. There are so many... I mean, even the um, aviation industry, some people say, oh, we shouldn't fly, which is really also a bit exaggerated because it's, it's I think that aviation um, represents two and a half percent of all the CO2 emissions in the world. So it's 97.5% does not come from aviation. So it doesn't really matter if every airplane is, is parked on the ground tomorrow. But anyway, even in that uh, area, there is a lot of things happening. There are electric planes being developed. Uh, so within 10 years, we will have electric uh, air, airplanes, airplanes, uh, not, not transatlantic, uh, for transatlantic traveling, but for shorter distances like 1000 kilometers. How much is that in miles? It's about uh, 700 miles or so will have electric planes so uh, we, we will we will fix that I, I i can't remember what your question was but i think i have maybe no, answered we were parts about, of it you're talking about how we can make make decisions on how we perceive yeah. our reality true <clears throat> and um i yeah i guess yeah. it's just important that first of all we're all different we all can come from different backgrounds. So it's expected that we have differences. In, yeah. And yes, I, before when I learn more and practice more the meditation, and I always say that everyone has their own truth. So yeah. truth, truth. So you can't really say, well, that's true. That's my, that's my truth. You know, yeah. you have to listen to the other person to really know that truth. And while you were, also talking, it reminded me that in energy medicine, um, a lot of things can be tested. If not all, a lot of things can be tested if it's really uh, closer to that vibration of love 
and compassion because mm. some people can even use all the same words but some technology like scalar technology is showing that just the way the person talks or the voice organ you will already know if it's something that resonates to what the higher vibration of the truth uh, of compassion and uh, of love so yeah. these these things are available nowadays and um yeah, I, I i know you you're familiar with the dr bruce lipton i guess Correct. He's, correct. He's yeah. Famous, and and I heard him say in some interview that that uh, if you look at cancer patients, uh, you can see that a large uh, well, these things are normally not 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 checked. But when when it has been checked, they have checked for it. They have uh, tested for it. Uh, I don't know exactly how they've done surveys. I guess they have been able to see that a large large majority of those who get cancer have had issues of, of fear or anger or frustration in their lives. I mean, it's a difficult thing to measure, but, but I mean, mainstream medicine hasn't even, even been thinking of measuring it because it hasn't been an issue at all. They haven't been thinking of it, but I, I don't know if you've heard, heard these, these things if, as well. Or if they don't measure it, it's because they cannot monetize it. You okay. know? Yeah. And also in the mainstream science, it's all about facts and figures. All It's all about numbers. Yeah, the measurable, Narrative. yeah. Mm. Narratives don't count. Yeah. But in, no. in the alternative science and thinking like Bruce Lipton, stories, stories like what we're doing, if someone tells you who could, and I remember when I first came to United States and an African shaman told me, you tell your story because that's your story. No one mm -hmm. can take that away from you. So your stories and who is really, uh, you know, if I say this is my experience in the Philippines, that's my story. So that's in original, correct me if I'm wrong, but alternative science, that's the original science is observation and narrative of your experience until it became, became so mathematical. Then mm. it became so mathematical, then everything becomes objective. So they said that there should be always some type of balance or just people just be open to, to both information because those mm. information, just as you said, that in many years from now, we'll still have the hospital. Why should we close the hospitals? We need hospitals, but yeah. maybe maybe not the main main resource of everyday no. life, not that no. one. So like, okay, I was trained as a nurse in the Philippines, but when we were growing up and I work in the community and I can even dispense over-the-counter medications or if the pharmaceutical company gives us um, donates to us antibiotic before, but since I was in the countryside and you know that's the Philippines, it's not United States. So as a nurse, we can dispense that. But I remember, I will always tell the villagers, I said, listen, do not, after three days, I said, tell me what you remember that you can use in terms of herbs and food and massage. So they tell me that because they know. They know. I was young. They were older. They know. So they, I said, do that for me. Do that sponge bath. Do that food. Do that herb. Do that. that. After three days, if the fever is still on, come back. 
and I will yeah. give you antibiotic. And they, mm -hmm. most of the time, less people come back. But, yeah. but my, my role was always um, letting it come out of them, of their, of their knowledge, and then really let them be confident. So they were really happy that, oh, she's a nurse, and she's telling us to use this one. Then yeah. they started teaching me. So it's nice. And that's what that's, like, that's nice, yeah. this, this podcast also do to me. Because, you know, it, the people, I have you as my guest and other, you, I start listening and you start teaching me. So it's nice, okay? Yeah, uh, really. I, I was thinking, I was just reflecting over this thing that you were talking about there, subjective and objective. It's really incredible the more you think of it that, it's even incomprehensible that that uh, mainstream uh, medical science doesn't doesn't um, recognize subjectivity because I mean every person is a subject and we were talking about earlier that every person is also the unique perspective of the the universe so I think it's it's really stupid that we should only go with the objective thing because what's subjective in healthcare that not many things are objective well we all have muscles and bones but i mean when you when you more the more you think of it of course it has to be subjective it has to be individual you have to listen to each and every patient and see what their problems are and what they're thinking of and if they're worried if, if they and exactly what they're feeling with this and that and doctors have been so arrogant in just telling them that oh you have this and you have that and it's it's really not it's not okay. Uh, I mean, just think about the placebo effect, which is actually that is uh, uh, recognized by the by the medical science community, of course, but it's recognized as something uh, that is bad, really that shouldn't be there. It's just an annoyance for them. But to me, the placebo effect shows that that our ability to heal ourselves is immense. And this is just, I mean, this is just a side effect that when people get this sugar pill and they think they have the real thing, they can, uh, they can get rid of their symptoms uh, pretty quickly. And it, they're doing it themselves, of course. Of Nobody course, remember that. Remember when they're talking about Bruce Lipton when he shared about that the Prozac is just a sugar pill and everyone yeah. takes Prozac and feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He, really he, he was one of my reference when I was taking my master's before he became so popular. <laughs> okay, okay. Bruce well, Lipton. Today everybody's, everybody's talking about him, so right, you, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, tell me about your... your understanding of time my understanding of time oh you listened to that episode did you <laughs> <laughs> because i have an episode about time yeah well time is uh, something really odd and and strange that exists only here on in the in the physical realm and uh, really only on earth or at least in our solar system uh, for our physical bodies to function here in, 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 on this plane and in, the, in this um, three-dimensional reality. I mean, already Albert Einstein knew about this and he talked about this in the, in the 1920s. Nobody understood what he was talking about, but he, he, he knew, knew that time is relative and that when you go out far away in, into the universe, time collapses. And uh, I think 
what well for all practical purposes we we need to understand that we we have we are bounded by time here on earth so i mean we know that we are born and that we die and in between we have a life which we call maybe 80 years long or 90 years long or 70 years long but we all know that it's very subjective talking about subjectivity how long a year can feel or how long an hour can feel or how long a day can feel it can feel just very differently depending on what we're doing if we have a good time everyone knows that if we, when you, we have a good time we think that time flies and we just hate that oh is it already an hour i had so much fun and when we are bored time just drags its its way along so oh can i i i i, I long to f- Three o'clock or four o'clock? Can't it be four o'clock soon? Because it's so. This is so boring. So time is really very, very. It can be stretched and it can be com- compressed. And the more you think of it, and the the more you try to step out of it, actually, because it's it's kind of liberating to do that. The the, the stranger it all feels. It feels good to be. I mean, I I can't say that I've been able to step out of time completely, but. For short instances of time, I can do it, I think, after meditation or when I'm out walking. And it kind of feels like I don't know, I don't know, I really don't know what time, it, what day it is, especially not what weekday it is, because the weekdays is the strangest thing of all. I mean, you can't, how can you tell it's a Tuesday when you look out the window? It's completely di- crazy. Or if it's a Saturday, look at the tree out there. Is it a, is it a Tuesday or a Saturday? It's, it looks the same. <laughs> But of course, if it's summer or winter, you can tell if from if it's dark or bright or snow or all those things. But I think that's not really an expression of time itself, because that's only an expression of the rhythms and the pulses that exist in the universe, because we have the Earth uh, revolving around its own axis and and, uh, revolving around the sun, rotating around the sun, which creates... um, the seasons and and day and night and all that, but it's more kind of a pulse or a ry- rhythm that we have in everything that exists in the universe. There's a pulse and a rhythm. That's not really time, but that's what we are measuring. The clocks are measuring that. So time is is odd. And I think on some level, this is now it's really getting spiritual and philosophical here. But I think uh, that the place we actually came from before we were born and that we go to when we die is a place in another dimension where this time thing isn't isn't a thing because everything exists simultaneously i believe and uh, uh, when we are in those dimensions i think we can access previous lives that aren't really previous because they occur now and coming lives that also occur now so you can you can i think we can visit them all at the same time if we want uh, from that plane but here on earth it's of course a very particular situation because we are there is this delay this inertia that we have to live with but i think also from a philosophical spiritual perspective that it's there's a reason for that the reason is that we are here to learn and we can't really learn and grow without limitations so that's why we have all these limitations and we get so frustrated sometimes when things don't don't uh, work out the way we want to. But I think this is this is so because we are here to learn because this is a school, and we should embrace those limitations and those uh, obstacles. 
without obstacles, nothing, you don't grow. You have to overcome obstacles. And, and if, when you realize that, once you realize that and accept that and even embrace it, 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 it doesn't feel that bad anymore. Even the obstacles seem like your friends. Joy, same, seem joyful. <laughs> Almost. Well, you can't be happy all the time. You have to cry sometimes. But I mean, even crying feels good when you have this perspective. It feels better. If you realize that, oh, I have to do this now because this is part of my process. And uh, sooner or later, I'm out of it and I'm happy again. So it's, 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 all, it's all part of a learning uh, process. I say we all sign for this. Uh, so yeah. Here, I was even teasing someone in, in the Facebook when he was making comments on, you know, how doom and gloom situation is. And they're very good criticism. So I said, so what are we going to do if these things are happening? Yeah. How can we express our critical mind? Do we? I said, that's right. What are we going to do then? So, yeah. <laughs> and someone said, we'll just we'll just do nothing and rest. I said, okay, that's good too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is what it is. We, we, we can't change what is. We, we just have to, I mean, sometimes we have to act. It's like Eckhart Tolle, you know, he's also a famous spiritual guy. He always says these things that we, sometimes we, we have to act, of course, to get out of a dangerous situation or to change something, something that is unbearable. If we can do something, we, we just do it. And when we've done it, we just step back and uh, accept what is. What we can't change, we shouldn't go around worrying about because that's just so detrimental to our health. It's too much work. Yeah. <laughs> we continue to do our best in our day-to-day -day life. Same thing. And I'm with you with the climate change. All this, they're just different factors. And what we as human beings do, of course, is so important. So I don't want to disregard and tell people, okay, you don't have to, you know, not to be throwing stuff in the ocean. You have to still do that. But at the same time, don't panic. The whole globe, the whole earth is really just shifting as those are being reported also. So... We just have to shift with the time, as your podcast says, the mind shift. Yeah. So is there anything more that surprises you or keeps you up at night? Uh, I sleep well, actually, thankfully. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, I don't wake up in the middle of the night, some people do. But surprises me, well, I have been surprised by this, the, 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 the reaction to this pandemic, I must say. I have actually been very surprised and I try to keep a calm mind. Well, my mind is calm and I have been calm throughout this pandemic as well, but I, I was really, I was really surprised this spring when so many countries just almost simultaneously locked down their societies this quickly. I couldn't really, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and now we're used to it. Uh, <laughs> people get used to all kinds of things really quickly so it's just strange the whole thing but um, yeah and slowly as you said there are grassroots movements coming out of like okay do we really have to do this so yeah. <laughs> you know I know yeah most have been well behaved and now like okay just like children starting to think okay yeah it to be like this so 
I th yeah, I think we're going to see maybe maybe some more of those uh, movements, protest movements, and it's going to be interesting to see how the governments react to that. And uh, I mean, democratic countries in Western Europe and the United States, you, man, you can't can can you can you can you send the the troops <laughs> to stop people from not wearing face masks? Ah, that's a bit bit of a stretch, isn't it? <laughs> we'll, we'll see how they react. I, I don't think it's going to be that violent, but it's yeah. going to be messy, as I said. It's going to be a bit messy. Everything is being tested, you know. Exactly. So exactly. It's, it's up tested. to us on how to we respond it, and it's mm. they're they're paying attention. They're not they're not stupid, you know. Whoever controls mm. and <laughs> does all the other things, they they they're smart, but they will know that it, it it's not all that they can do everything without people saying no, yeah. maybe, yeah. So um, give me a picture of your daily habit that maybe that daily habit will help our caregivers because their caregivers are stressed listening to the news and taking care of their loved ones. So tell me, I know you said about that meditation already, but paint the Yeah, that's one thing. And then the... What do I do? Well, I have I I actually walk a lot. I take long walks, which is helpful. And I sometimes listen to things. Uh, I can listen to podcasts. That's pretty common. I never listen to the news when I walk. Uh, I can listen to podcasts, but I can also listen to some soothing music sometimes. But most of the time, actually, uh, I want it to be. I don't listen to anything. I want it to be quiet. I just want to take in the, the environment where I'm walking. I can walk in, in, in the city sometimes, but often I, I walk in parks or in, in the environments around where I live where there is a lot of water and trees and things. So that's kind of nice. Um, what do I do more? I, uh, I keep in touch with, with close friends and I love meeting them and uh, eating good dinners with them and, and drinking a couple of glasses of wine with them. But I don't uh, obsess in it uh, as much as I maybe did. Well, I didn't obsess in, in meeting friends in restaurants, but I, I think I was more, a few years ago, I maybe was a little bit more, I felt more lonely if I didn't uh, have any company. So I... Uh, got a bit uh, stressed stressed out by that and, and and wanted to have contact with people now i feel i'm I, i'm never alone i'm never alone i mean even if i'm with myself i'm not alone i i feel that there are entities out there with me all the time and as we were talking about the consciousness is is so actually expansive and so big that i in a way feel that all those friends and and family members that I love, they are they are there, in me, with me all the time. So I don't I don't feel I don't feel lonely. So I can go days on end without meeting anyone, and it doesn't bother me. But then some weeks I, I meet a lot of people. <laughs> so, but I think it's a, it's often a good thing to meet people in, in person also to to have good conversations, and because it's it's a, it's a specific energy that you that you need sometimes, and it's that's also. Uh, a personality thing. Some people, mm, well, you know all about this. Uh, uh, if you're an introverted or introvert or extrovert person, if you're an extrovert, you may find that you 
you get energy from meeting people. And if you're an introvert, you, you, you kind of get a bit energetically exhausted by meeting people. So you need to, to uh, gain that energy by resting. So it's a, it's a little bit uh, from person to person. I think I'm somewhere in between. I can be very, uh, very outwardly when I'm meeting people and uh, uh, yeah, extrovert. But I can also be introverted and, and be, be with myself for, for a couple of days and it, it feels fine. I don't know if that answers your questions, mm-hmm. question, but I, I, I don't really have many, many habits other than that, really. I used to train to exercise more. Uh, I, I used to go running. Well, it's a little bit like my walking that I was talking about, but I've had some problems with my hip lately. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I guess I... If meditation doesn't help, I, I guess I have to check it up. Maybe get in a mainstream, mainstream uh, with at a mainstream doctor's. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to talk on the sidebar with that. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. I haven't been able to run anyway for for several months now. Just uh, asking you, maybe your body just asking you to do something different. Yeah. So Perhaps. what makes you happy lately? I know you said you're very happy lately, but tell us what makes you happy. Well, it makes me happy to uh, to think about all the fantastic things that I can that I can. Well, if if it, if I just sit for a while, I don't have to meditate. I just sit for a while and focus on all the fantastic and good things that life has brought me, and the things that I know in my heart that I will experience in the future in the future on this planet uh, then i can get really happy and i also also feel very happy when i as we were talking about just just now uh, meet people good friends and have nice talks with them uh, at, at a dinner table somewhere that also makes me really happy and i also love traveling now it's a bit difficult to travel these times are <laughs> troublesome but uh I really, I really get happy when I when I travel most of the time, seeing new things, new horizons. Yeah, me too. So, but I don't like traveling lately. I look because I see things that I don't like. That's true. <laughs> I'm, yeah. That's I'm not aggravated, but I still, I still don't like looking at the things that people have decided to do and embrace. Mm. You know, that that's the one. But it will be okay. But at least. Even if we don't travel, we made the most of the internet, like the Zoom phone. Exactly. So we in, I feel, in fact, more closer to people because mm. I try to go closer through this, this way. So that's good for now. Yeah. You are now in Sweden. I am now in the United States. <laughs> okay. <laughs> traveling. That's true. That's true. Um, so... Well, how, how, where do we see you in five, 10 years? Am I expecting a book from you? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I am actually on the side, I'm writing something that is supposed to become a novel. I don't know what's, I, I call it a hobby project. Uh, and uh, I don't want to talk at length about it, but uh, it's, it's some kind of novel. So I'm writing a little bit on that and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, taking a week off soon to, to write a little bit more constantly. Uh, focus focused on on this project, but I might also write some kind of book uh, having to do with what I'm doing with my podcast now. Uh, 
it's 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 not impossible it might happen if you if you're talking about five ten years yes that might happen i have written books before uh two or three or four but depending on how you count because uh, only two of them have been published at at the uh, proper publishers so to speak uh one of them i published uh, by myself and one of them was never published but it's it was still written so um yeah uh, I kind of like that. the title of that, the book that was published? One was, well, they, they, they all exist only in Swedish, unfortunately. But okay. the fir first one is in English would be called The Cozy Darkness of the Apocalypse. And it's about the fact that the world is better, a better place than most of us think because we are biased and we have this lizard brain thing where we constantly scan for dangers. And also journalism, of course. And the the, the latest one uh, is called Milliard Lifted in Swedish, which would be the billion hike or the billion hoist. Uh, it's it's about Africa and Africa's uh, challenges. Uh, I wrote it uh, together with a I co-wrote it with a with a colleague from the newspaper where I was working, um, and it goes in depth into the challenges that Africa has and, and the possibilities. So it doesn't say that every, everything's going to be fine, but it says that if these are, and these and these decisions are made, then Africa can finally, finally uh, uh, rise and uh, join the other continents that have actually, all of the others have actually uh, taken on a, a uh, a journey towards more prosperity and I, I think it's Africa's turn soon but the, the the tricky thing with Africa or the the the, the crux is that um, there is this demography the, the demographic thing and demography is actually the thread in the book that we're following uh, and many other countries are still having a very high fertility rate so there's a lot of babies being born and health has improved the economy hasn't gone up that much, but the, but health has improved quite a lot lately, the last 20 or 30 years, which means that, that ch children don't die uh, as, as, uh, as often uh, these days. So they survive. So every child almost that is born also survives to, to be adults, which means that the population is growing. Okay. And you can see some of the projections, population projection, projections, for Nigeria, for instance, uh, and they look, uh, well, they look astonishing, really, because it says that by the year 2100, Nigeria can have 900 million people, almost as many as India has today. Mm, well, that's, that is a projection, which means that if nothing happens, this, it, it can be that, like that. But I think that, and, or we think, me and Eric, the other author, we are of the opinion that, that uh, Things may happen, may start changing pretty, pretty fast in Africa also, but it's difficult to say exactly when it's going to start happening. We, we have been seeing lately a little bit of a decline in the fertility rates. So because if, well, if they go down rapidly, as they did in Asia in the 60s and 70s, then you will have a demographic dividend, which means that you have a large proportion of the population in working age so that you can have a boost for the economy. And this is what we're hoping going to happen also for large swathes of Africa. Are they both still in um, 
are, are they still both open for people to purchase for I men for in in Sweden now i was yeah. thinking also if the first one is on is is only available i think uh, as an as an ebook okay you But know the other one you can also uh, for, i think i think hmm? you could do i think you could translate the first book in english maybe yeah many people have said that many people have said that, that because yeah. they, they find it interesting they want it to be translated me too i would have loved it <laughs> do, that, because it seems like this is the perfect time also yeah all yeah. right people are embracing those things because as you said my, the the mind is shifting more mm. more people are open to that and if more than if a few people already ask you that i think you have to listen you're right you're right but it's 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 now almost 10 year or it is 10 years old so it's it has to be updated anyway so maybe what i do is i write a new book called mind the shift and i use the the core of that book there the you go book. and then i add some new things and update it and everything that that's that's a plan <laughs> thank you for the tip because you're not be traveling too much yet so you might as well settle yeah. down meditate on your own self and book and typewriter oh no not typewriter <laughs> <laughs> okay and, and uh, that well we can uh, the, those topics we can really subdivide and have a more pod, more episode in the future such as the topic on the population and you know if mm, things are yeah, not sure. if there are no other factors then yep fertility will increase and maintain mm. but if there are other factors man made and not man made fertility may go down and some people like yeah. that <laughs> some groups may like that <laughs> yeah well it's it's fertility is not a bad thing per se but it's it's good if it's not uh, too high and it's not too low you know it should be yeah. just just about right <laughs> okay so i thank you so much and um it Do you have any more few words before I usually end with a quantum affirmation? So oh, let that me That sounds great. Uh-huh. Yep. I um I encourage our audience to do this quantum affirmation and the quantum affirmation what I do is every day I have cards and when I say quantum I just didn't say it just to make it sound good but this were really tested that it resonates to on our good bioenergy field i then with intention i said to myself what can i share with anders today and with the audience and this is what i got and i and you have to read this this is a suggestion three times in the morning in the evening and at noon if nothing else in the morning and in the evening so it says positively possible i choose to think positive thoughts i reject negative ones my very being responds to every positive thought i think and every uplifting word i speak my positive attitude inspires others also to look on the bright side of situations rejecting the negative i choose to think positive thoughts i reject negative ones my very being responds to every positive thought i think and every uplifting word i speak my positive attitude inspires others also to look on the bright side of situations rejecting the negative one i choose to think positive thoughts i reject negative ones my very being responds to every positive thought i think 
and every uplifting word I speak. My positive attitude inspires others also to look on the bright side of situations, rejecting the negative one. See, it was just perfect. Oh, that's wonderful. It never fails me. Because, you know, I shuffle. Yeah, yeah. I want, I want to, I hope you will send that to me. Yeah, I I, I will. Yeah. Please tell us, um, please tell the audience where we can find you. Tell us again, you know, about where to listen. Yes. So it's, yeah, Mind the Shift and it's, you can find it uh, anywhere where you can find podcasts. It's on iTunes, um, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts and so on. And then the, there is no proper uh, website yet. I will, I will, um, I will uh, produce one in due time. But there is a Facebook page, uh, and to find it easily, you can well, you can search for Mind the Shift on Facebook. But it's called. It has a um, segue, <laughs> whatever it's called, uh, which is uh, Integration Changes Everything. So it's Facebook slash Integration Changes Everything. Then you reach the the, that, that page and I'm also uh, or mind the shift is also on Instagram and um, YouTube. Well, I guess that's about, about it. YouTube. Yeah. YouTube I haven't started a YouTube channel but I'm also wondering that uh, yeah it's a lot of work of course so I, I, I was thinking of doing this that I'm doing now as good as possible as well as possible and having a lot of content a lot of good content and then I'm pretty sure that in due time I will also start a, a YouTube channel. I would say perhaps, what is it now, October 2020, perhaps uh, beginning next year, you will see that. But I, I wanted to, I want to be sure that I can do that well before I do it because I don't want to do it sloppy. So uh, it's, it, it will happen. The process is enjoyable. That's the, the one. You may, it may be That's hard. True. So it's just the process for me, it's the process of going, getting into something. It is. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Thank you so much. And um, for our audience. Thank you for having me. We will put, we will put all information in the, in the description. And so, you know, just read that, follow that. And definitely I will put this in audio and video as well. And please check out also my new website, the quantum nurse.live. So because that's where you could, I could give you the free video series and then we could start connecting. And I created this a community in the Facebook called quantum nurse for the dementia caregivers, but everyone is welcome. Cause I just said dementia caregivers, but if you feel like you're stressed, then you're perfect for us. <laughs> then we, mm. we help each other. Okay, mm. and so thank you. And this is Quantum Nurse, and I am Grace Asagra and Anders Bowling. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. In my language, I say Mabalos. Thank you. Taksumike, thank you for having me. Say it again, Taksumike. 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 Perfect.